Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Skewed and Reviewed Skewedcast. I'm Gareth, creator of Skewed and Reviewed, and you can catch us online at sknr.net as we cover all things movies, games, television, pop culture, travel, and entertainment. We are on BJ Shea's Geek Nation Radio each week on KSWFM. You can catch the simulcast we put up on Fridays on our site. And, of course, you can also catch us on Sci-Fi Radio. We are also on uh, PinalCentral.com. They have a big um, catalog of our past reviews. It's a network of, uh, let's see, 11 newspapers in 2021 markets. So we have several years of past reviews on there that you can catch. And, of course, we have our quarterly skewed and reviewed magazine as well as syndication partners. Now, this week, Michael is down covering uh, the Tucson Toy Show, and Justin and I are going to bring you up to date on all the things that are happening this week. And before we get into that, I wanted to discuss some VR games. I've been working my way through the PlayStation VR 2 games as I've been able. It has been incredibly busy because a flood of Hollywood um, releases have come out, so I've had uh, film screening several nights a week have some things coming up uh, for some streaming services that I've uh, been having to review. So uh, it's kept me busy. I've been playing these games in various uh, segments. And, of course, in the interest of giving them some timely coverage rather than, um, you know, waiting till they all finish uh, completely, I'm going to be doing a quick run-through. So first up is Ragnarok, and this is the PSVR 2 version of the game. It was available for the PS1. And the great thing about this is it is one of these uh, music amps. So if you played anything like Guitar Hero, you know the situation where you have to, along with music, strum and hit various um, targets uh, as they come up in timing. So with this one, you're on a Viking longboat, you take your controllers, and you have to pound the drums with your mallets. And essentially these little shields come over them, and you have to pound them at the exact time to get them to uh, give you the proper points and complete the task. There's a whole section of, um, I guess, I would call it death metal, but thrash metal that the music goes along to. I've played it, my wife's played it. It is actually a ton of fun uh, just sitting there with the melons and boom, 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 and you don't have to be a drummer to take care of it, but that it does help. She is uh, more drumming inclined than I am, but we both do really well with it and have a good time, so you want to check out Ragnarok. Another one that I'm having a lot of fun with, although I will admit sometimes I do move a little too quickly in the game, and it is taking me, you know, sometimes with the VR, you can get a little disoriented. Thankfully, with the resolution of PSVR 2, it's not as bad. But the Jurassic World Aftermath Collection, a lot of fun, cell-shaded adventure, uh, dinosaurs, uh, you know, a little bit of stealth, a little bit of action. One of the things that I've had to kind of figure out is uh, mapping out my area, because there are times... Uh, I'm choosing to play it from a seated uh, position, and it feels like I'm almost like a kid in the game and that I have to really reach up to grab various levers and stuff like that, but I'm absolutely loving it. Um, a lot of fun. Another game that I uh, want to check out is called Song in the Smoke Rekindled, and uh, this is a very interesting adventure game if you've uh, liked to play uh, around with something a little more unconventional than a straight-up, you know, shoot it, smash it. This is definitely one that you want to check out. And the great thing about it is with PSVR 2 um, resolution, you get some really good uh, options. And so 
playing more of an adventure style game in this setting is really good. It's very immersive and it's definitely a lot of fun. We're going to be putting up some video in the not too distant future from the gameplay so you can get a better idea of it, but definitely one to check out. Uh, another interesting one, and this was really interesting, this is the PlayStation 5 version, and it's called Game Deck Definitive Edition. And it is an RPG experience where decisions are important because they come with consequences. And the world that you play in adapts to the decision you make. So exact, you know, the, the best way I can describe it is your hero will adapt, and there are consequences to the choices. So it uh, can be long-term or stay hidden uh, with any with uh, things, your consequences popping up when you least expect them. And it's very interesting in that the game is neutral about your judgment, uh, doesn't suggest choices or better option. It lets you choose what you want to do, but you also have to deal with consequences of those decisions, some of which may not be immediate. It's kind of like... Um, Oh, I'm not comparing the game to this, but I guess the best way I could describe it is if you think about the original Bioshock, that it did not tell you, um, you know, with the regard to do you harvest or do you save? And only at the end do you find out, you know, this is the ending that's made available to you because you made this decision. So one to think about. Uh, another interesting one is called uh, Discronia, Kronos Alternate. It's a three-part anime-style science fiction crime investigation. So if you like kind of a noir-type game where you play a variant human as you have the ability to see both into and alter the past, and your skills are what's needed, you have to hide, run, sneak, escape from danger, gather evidence, and then you accuse the perpetrators in kind of a courtroom setting. So think like a Mexican Blade Runner and Perry Mason and you get the idea, and it is truly a lot of fun playing in the VR2 uh, setting with that. So a couple more that I wanted to address, and one of them is Cave Digger 2, Dig Harder. And it's uh, an adventure game set in a wildland valley where you explore old mines, nautical caves, and ancient civilization. So uh, there's a little bit of diesel punk and Lovecraftian themes to it. And um, it did originally come out for the PS4. This is a new PS5 version of the game that does work uh, for the PlayStation VR 2, obviously. And there's some really great features, including the headset rumble, eye tracking, and adaptive triggers. So a uh, great way to take an old game and enhance it and really, really get moving. The last VR 2 game I wanted to talk about, I'm still very early in the process, is Star Wars Tales from the Galaxy's Edge. I'm really enjoying this from running around a cargo ship from the option to either use a movement-based uh, uh, guide or to basically choose to teleport. That's what I'm doing. Um, it, a lot of fun doing the laser shootouts and stuff like that. The only trick that I found is, and this is going to sound really crazy, Justin, but you have these objects on your belt, and I have a couple of times from like a tool that has multiple settings to let you, you know, fix some electronical stuff, unscrew things, so on and so forth. A couple of times I've reached for my blaster and I grabbed my tool uh, in error, and uh, that does not help very well in a firefight when you have uh, bad guys coming on board shooting away and you go to take them out and you end up pulling uh, 
a socket wrench, basically. <laughs> and uh, another great thing about that, too, is that after a few shots, you have to manually vent uh, the weapon. And a couple of times I've caught myself dropping <laughs> the gun and reaching around on the floor. But once you get it down, it's a lot of fun. I'm down on uh, Batu right now. And if you've ever been to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge at either of the Disney theme parks in either Florida or California, you'll get an idea. The final thing I wanted to mention, just a quick overview, uh, is Topoland's Arcade Shoot-'Em-Up Collection Volume 1. You have some classic games from Truxton, Zero Wing, Outzone, and Twin Cobra that are available. Anybody who's spent any time in the arcades pumping away with those games definitely has an idea of what to expect because if it moves, you blow it to pieces, and that is always a classic. Uh, so, Justin, we had a little tiny bit of news about the new Alien movie, so why don't you go ahead and tell us what's going on with that, and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, so uh, they confirmed that Fede Alvarez's um, Alien movie is starting to film on March 9th, which I believe is next week, or this week, this Thursday. Um they did reveal, so there's some casting news. Um, a lot of um, uh, cast members, I don't I don't uh, recognize these names. Um, uh, Isabella Merced, I think is, I think is going to be the lead. Um, they didn't, they haven't really um, revealed much about like who, like who the cast uh, are going, who's going to be our, our, our lead protagonist and um, who's going to be, you know, the others in here, but we have uh, uh, Kaylee uh, Spaney, David Johnson, Archie Renault, uh, Spike Fern, and uh, Eileen Wu. Um, I think um, I think it's called Alien Romulus. Uh, is is what I'm uh, is what I'm gathering. And there's a there's a short little premise um, synopsis that they also release, which. You know, like we were talking about earlier, is basically saying like water is wet. It's basically it says, uh, a quote, a group of young people on a distant world find themselves in confrontation with the most terrifying life form in the universe. Yeah, so the, basically every other alien movie, uh, it's all it's, all it's really saying is that we have a uh, a group of people that um, somewhere in space are going to encounter the alien, um, which is pretty much describes every alien movie. Um, I think the thing that I'm most curious about is um so ridley scott is on board uh obviously he's not directing this is fede alvarez's uh his film uh but ridley scott is producing it i do wonder how, how much involvement he has um you know we talked many 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 times in the past about his prequel movies between prometheus and alien covenant and uh, there was always intended to be a third movie, and I do wonder how much connective tissue is this going to be completely separate, or is will this have the bridging effect? Will it bridge the prequel movies um, over to the rest of the series? Uh, that's what I'm kind of curious to to see if if there's anything from Ridley Scott's prequel movies in this one, um, or does is it just going to take it in a totally new direction? So we'll have to kind of see. Um, obviously, you know, not a ton of news, not a ton of, uh, you know, big reveals or anything. But it is moving forward. We are getting an Alien movie. It is filming this week. Um, not a lot of, you know, information about 
what it's going to be about, but uh, at least we know that the alien is going to be in it. Yeah, I think what's interesting to me about this is that the only thing that I'm leaning on, and of course, we all know in the franchise they have not been entirely forthcoming about things. I mean, we were told Prometheus is a sidequel, and it became very obvious it was a prequel uh, very quickly. You know, remember all that? It's a sidequel. Well, it's in the same universe, and then you watch the movie, and it's like, yeah, this is clearly uh, prequel-related. And... They have said that the movie is unrelated to the previous films. And so you kind of want to take them on their word at that. You've heard them say, well, this was a pitch that Fede had come up with years ago. And essentially all it took was Ridley calling him saying, hey, do you still want to do that movie? And that was it. And uh, so, you know, it'll be interesting to see where they do go with this, especially with the TV series in the works. And it, it's an interesting, interesting time because, you know, you look at the games. We've got Alien Dark Descent due out this year. There's reports that there is a, um, uh, a what, how would you describe it, that there's a single-player alien game that with, with a VR element that is in the works. Um, obviously, we have the TV series coming out. So, you know, exciting times that you could say as of right now, we're looking at not counting and not even counting books, toys or um, comics. We are looking at at least uh, four alien projects in the not too distant future that will likely be between this year and next year coming out. So that that's a really good thing. The other question, though, is the whole notion of where how is the platform going to be changed? And by that, I'm talking about Hulu, because in the United States, the game, the game, excuse me, the movie is designed to be a Hulu release. And of course, um, there has been a lot of talk, speculation, a lot of it, that Disney might be willing to part with their um, investment in Hulu. Uh, you know, basically. We've been told by the CEO that everything's on the table. So here's an interesting little thing that a Citigroup analyst named Jason Basnett uh, floated. And he's saying that Disney might be playing a long game uh, in order to, uh, you know, get some cash and to uh, divest themselves of the 67% stake they own in Hulu. So here's an interesting little backstory on it. So outside of the U.S., there is no... Hulu in the countries all over the world where Disney Plus is carried, they have essentially a service called Disney Star that they can add on to their. Um, you have to essentially authorize it in order to allow the more mature content from Disney Studios, Fox, that sort of thing to be accessible because you don't want your little kids clicking in to watch The Little Mermaid and all of a sudden they're watching Alien or Die Hard or whatever. Um, that being said, the idea is that Disney has an interesting decision to make in that um, there is an agreement in place that Disney can buy out the remaining stake from Comcast as early as January of this year uh, and uh, uh, excuse me, as early as January 2024. Comcast can require Disney does this. So essentially, even if Disney doesn't want it, they can be told, you've got to buy it out, that's it, you now own Hulu 100%. And 
there is some talk that Disney might uh, try to shed Hulu. And it's an interesting little twist because one of the ideas is that in order to help make Disney Plus more profitable, they might just say, we don't need two streaming services. We are going to just go with uh, the one and we will likely do in other parts having separate area where things like the pending alien film um, will be put on. The problem with that is there's a bigger piece to the puzzle, as there always is. Uh, the a- estimation right now is that they could get between 19.8 and 27.5 billion for Hulu because um, it's estimated that 44% of U.S. internet capable households are subscribed to Hulu. And so there's that, but it's also the fact that they bundle it with Disney Plus. How many people might have a problem with this? The analyst believes that um, there are a couple of Marvel properties that Universal still has distribution rights to, namely Hulk and Namor. And we've discussed in the past how they can use the Hulk as part of an ensemble, but they can't do any standalone Hulk films. And there are some that believe that Disney might use Hulu as a leverage to say, okay, you know, uh, you've got to, we'll, we'll give this to you or we'll do this, we'll do that, but you're going to have to hand us all the um, outstanding rights to Hulk and Namor so we have pretty much everything but the Spider-Man family back under ownership. Now, where does that leave Alien? Well, the problem with that is would they would they be so quick for them to acquire this project and this product and to simply say, oh, by the way, all the uh, Disney slash Fox properties are going away and coming on our property, or are they going to stay in place? So these are all things that have to be worked out. So the big question is, right now the new Alien film is coming to Hulu. Uh, the new series is coming to FXX to be distributed also on Hulu after it runs on FXX. How would a new ownership of the property change it? Uh, you know, Would they still keep it there? Or would they have to say, nope, that's being pulled over to our property and uh, crazy? You know, some people say it wouldn't work, but yet you talk to anybody who lives overseas and they'll say it works just fine. We have all our Disney Plus content. We just click a different area. Like when when you log in, there's little boxes, Star Wars, Marvel, Disney, Pixar, whatever. There's one that says essentially Disney Star, and that's where all your adult-themed content is. So what do you make about that, Justin? Yeah, that, that is an interesting point about um, what about existing properties that uh, either, you know, Disney has outright ownership of. I mean, I, I this I guess thinking about it, it, it makes sense that Disney would just pull all of their stuff off off Hulu because this has actually happened before with like Netflix. Um, so my guess is that yeah, even even deals that have been worked out prior of like uh, this is going to launch exclusively on Hulu if if for whatever reason they decide to pull um out of hulu and basically sell it um my guess is that like the alien uh show which is supposed to debut on hulu i don't i think it probably will, will get pulled because it's a disney property um but it is an interesting thing to think about um you know i think we talked about this last time that uh you know financially it sort of makes sense what they're doing because they uh I could see the case both ways. You know, it's one of those things where um, the the pitch of keeping Hulu around was to segment um, segment out their uh, more adult stuff. 
uh, away, like w- just on a completely different platform from uh, things that are more family friendly. So, it, you know, you had Disney Plus for for families, and then Hulu that would have the more like Alien, Predator, things like that. Um, which uh, obviously Disney Plus is struggling a little bit right now. Which was, um, you know, I, I think one of the t- takeaways or uh, about the uh, their financial results recently. So it kind of makes sense what they're doing now. They're going to just design um, the interface for Disney Plus to make that distinction between family-friendly and adult content. And that way, like like you said, you're not segmenting your um, uh, your customers into two different, completely different streaming services, which is probably one of the issues right now. If they can get everybody onto one, then uh, it probably helps them in the long run. Yeah, it's an interesting twist because obviously um, that would still fly and all of that. But at the same time, I have to admit, I certainly enjoy having um, the combo service where we get the uh, benefits of Hulu and Disney Plus all at one price, all at one um, setup. And well. Some people say, well, does you know how does ESPN Plus figure, uh, ESPN Two figure into it? Or I look at it like this: that it is a valuable thing that um, um, you know it helps out when certain baseballs, certain um, other times a year. But at the same time, I think they're going to have to realize they would have to bust out the bundle, as it were. So you have to see how that would all play out and, you know, what's going to happen from there. And, um, you know, always an interesting challenge because there's just so much out there already. But um, I don't know. You know, it's such a tricky thing because you can say this thing is valuable uh, as a tool to bring a combination together. The other part of you says, do you really want to, um, you know, I guess you, it, it's like anything else. It's risk and reward is what is the benefit of being able to keep them together? And what is the benefit of basically getting yourself a huge chunk of cash? Because from their standpoint, I get it. They can say, you know what, I don't need to have this because we do have a viable alternative and platform in place at the same time if you jumped all of the content from hulu over to disney plus do you have to increase your price do you have to make that content uh, a separate price uh you know what do you do about the revenue that hulu does bring in are people going to be less willing to stick with Disney Plus if it's no longer part of a bundle? I mean, like we said, when 44% of the households are watching um, Hulu, is that really a footprint you want to get rid of? And so these are all hard decisions. So I guess, you know, it comes down to, like anything a streaming service has, is that you have to be very, very confident that what you have is going to be enough to draw people in. You know, we've seen several shows jump from one streaming service to another, and the question comes down to 
challenge because we've talked repeatedly about how much it costs to have original content because you cannot rely on other studios making their content available to you because they either have their plans to put off their own service if they've not done so already or they have existing deals in place and ask Netflix how they found out. Uh, they went from being essentially the only game in town to, wow, we're going to have to pay out big money to create our own shows and our own movies because all the other people in town are doing it. And when Disney basically came along and said, guess what? All these Disney properties and all these Fox properties are no longer available unless you cut uh, pretty lucrative deals with us. It made it difficult. So that is the hard problem is you want to, it's a competitive marketplace and you have to really push to get your product out there. So it will be interesting to see what they have uh, moving forward. I also wanted to mention as we're recording this, Emerald City Comic Con is going on up in Seattle. They are entering their uh, third and um, final day of the show. We've got teams uh, up there. And we've had a lot of good stuff coming from Doctor Who to a screen panel. There's been some Star Wars uh, stuff. I know Mark Ruffalo has been one of the guests, and there's a lot of stuff. We do have uh, several uh, videos up from the first day of the show that includes cosplay, walking around the, uh, the uh, event center, the dealer room. Uh, we've got some of the Star Wars stuff, and of course we have the screen panel. We have a lot more coming. So... Uh, we'll be following that. And, you know, the, the other thing I wanted to look into is that we've been having a big push for content. And we've talked about that. Uh, one of the things that has kind of quietly settled in and really surprised some people but hasn't surprised people was the announcement that Paramount Plus is going to stop Star Trek Discovery after the upcoming season that will not uh, appear until early 2024. And they make the announcement while we have some interesting Star Trek news in that uh, Picard is going into its third season. People are really enjoying that. And then, of course, um, we also have a situation where uh, Chris Pine has talked about becoming frustrated with the apparent lack of progress on a new film, even though J.J. Abrams says they have a script. So, Justin, what's your take on all this? Yeah, so, um, with, with in regards to Discovery, um, it doesn't surprise me a whole lot, just because uh, the show has gone on for quite some time, and, you know, every show has to end eventually. Um, I think we're probably getting into its, like, fifth or sixth season, which... For a show is usually a season. Yeah. yeah, so so that's a really good amount of, of seasons. I use my general rule of thumb, and, I, and this isn't you know obviously every show is a little bit different, but generally speaking, I, I usually think shows run out of steam around its fifth season. So if it's made it fifth five season, I mean it's it's a success. Now D Discovery really wasn't. I, I tried watching the first season, it really wasn't my thing. But uh, um, you know by any measure, if a show's made it through five seasons, it's that's that's a pretty uh, that's a pretty successful run. Um, you know, and then they have all sorts of other Star Trek projects um, going on. And Picard is, is ending with its third season, but I've, I've heard good things about it. Um, so I think they are actually kind of in a good spot right now uh, overall. I mean, they don't have 
I know that they have Strange New Worlds and they have um, uh, the uh, the lower decks and Prodigy, um, and Prodigy, right? So they have some active projects uh, going on. Uh, the on the movie side, that's that's a kind of an interesting situation, just because uh, you know I I liked the the three Star Trek Star Trek movies with uh, starring Chris Pine, uh, starting with the the one in two thousand nine, which you know. Just as an aside, it it is interesting to think about that it came out so long ago. It's been well well over ten years now, <laughs> uh, but uh, you know they made it they made it three movies, so they they had kind of a trilogy. And the second one was a little divisive, but um, you know the third one was pretty well received. So I I am you know we've heard all sorts of crazy things going going on with Star Trek movies. At one point, Quentin Tarantino was supposed to make one. Um, you know, I've not no idea what happened to that, but uh, you know, every now and then you'll hear something about the the, uh, the continuing the Chris Pine, um, you know, set of Star Trek characters in, in a movie. Um, but uh, it is interesting, uh, and I'm not really sure why there hasn't really been any progress, especially if there is a script, you know, and you would think J.J. Abrams um, could could make it happen. Um, just with his pedigree in the industry and the fact that, you know, he's not really involved with Star Trek or Star Wars anymore. So, um, I wonder really what the holdup is there. Maybe it's that, uh, um, they just don't, they, 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 pro- they might not just have buy-in from, from all of the producers at Paramount. Uh, so who knows what's going on with the movie front, but at least with the, the, the television show that seems like they have found their footing and they are starting to discover what works, and hopefully they can take what they've learned about what works on the television side and apply it to the movie side. You know, I, I kind of wonder, no one will ever know for sure, but I almost wonder if Strange New Worlds is the reason behind this, is that we're hearing uh, Season 2 is coming, and we've heard that even though it hasn't been officially announced, uh, Season 3 is already in the planning stages. And I know this is not going to be a popular thing, but uh, I think it's safe to say that Discovery has been a very divided series. There are a lot of Star Trek fans who have not enjoyed it. They don't think it is the Star Trek that they have become accustomed to. And while they can say, sure, the effects are nice and this and that, they have tons of issues with it. You're not seeing that kind of uh, issue with Strange New Worlds, and while some people had some issues with various elements of Picard, they've generally been more accepting of it, especially with this new season that um, is paying, I think, an awful lot of fan service. I've certainly enjoyed the fact that three episodes in, they finally have started to scratch the surface on one of the biggest questions I had uh, post the run of some of the original shows, uh, Deep Space Nine and Voyager, being... Uh, the two that come to mind the most. We're hearing some stories about a possible spinoff from Picard, maybe about some of the uh, supporting characters, that sort of thing. And then, of course, there's always the um, Starfleet Academy series that's been rumored forever, the Section 13 series that may or may not be coming. And so I think it was probably just a situation if they looked at everything that was on the table and said, okay, we've got this one show that, while popular, has been divisive. Uh, It's costing more. You have these others. And I just, you know, it it is interesting because at five seasons, you could easily see them say, look, 
we'll write it out for two more years, problem solved. And you wonder if it's a case of, did they just simply say, okay, it's time to start allocating our resources elsewhere for bringing on some of the other series? Are these people needed for newer projects? Um, you know, I don't think we'll know for sure uh, until somewhere down the line. I know that would be very interesting should they appear at San Diego Comic-Con, which I think they would to pump up the final season. I would be very curious to see how much they'd be willing to talk about the decision to end it when it is. And, of course, we're going to get the corporate line in somewhere in the back end. You know, it could simply be, like I said, a money thing. You look at the cost of the show, you look at the cost of the... Um, uh, you know, raises that come each year with an ongoing show. And maybe they looked at it and said, okay, you know, for the price of this, we could apply this toward this show and do this show. Who knows? Uh, maybe certain people involved, um, you know, are ready to move on to other projects. It's always, always a tricky situation. So, uh, well, let's just have to wait and see. But in the meantime, let's hope that things continue to improve. And uh, with uh, Picard, I'm very interested to see where they go. Wanted to mention tomorrow is the opening night on Hulu, since we had mentioned Hulu, of History of the World Part 2. We get the long-awaited Mel Brooks uh, sequel with the all-star comic cast where he goes and, again, skewers some of the um, classic moments from... Uh, what do you call it, from history, and I'm really interested to see where he goes because, you know, there was a lot of talk about Mel Brooks's humor wouldn't apply in this day and age because a lot of people say, well, you know, it's too, uh, it's not politically correct, it's very controversial, you can't get away with making the jokes that he made during his classic films in the 70s and 80s today. And Mel even kind of joked about it in a promo and has said, hey, you know, this is how I do comedy. This is how I have done things. And uh, this is how I'm going to keep doing it. So it'll be very interesting to see how they do that. And that is going to do it for us today, folks. We will be back next week and uh, give you a little preview of what's coming up. And until then, take care and be well. <laughs>